0: This is the Sports on Tap Seattle podcast. Cheers to Seattle. You know, I've been here, Cap's been with me my three, four years over here, and uh, I wouldn't be in this spot without him today.
1: You're getting me, man.
0: We wouldn't be in this spot without him. Um, hell of a leader, better teammate,
1: and a better friend. Um, we wouldn't be in this spot without him. One thing that we have seen is you evolve this season as a leader on this team. Are you ready to take on that role moving forward?
0: I'm ready. Um, I learned everything from Kyle. I'm ready to take that spot and I'm ready to be the leader on this team.
1: JP, thank you so much. Congratulations on a great season. Thank you. JP Crawford.
0: We thought we would start with the clip of J.P. Crawford talking about Kyle Seager as Kyle Seager announces his retirement today, George. And it kind of just shows um, outside of baseball, just probably the type of teammate in person that he is in that clubhouse.
2: Yeah, he seemed to be a really loved guy Um, in general, just, you know, a good dude and another Mariner player who's going to end his career without a playoff berth here in this era where we didn't make the playoffs. But that's not. Any of Kyle Seeker's fault, so I like just want it, it. It's kind of disappointing here. It seemed like it was decided before the season that he was not going to be back with the Seattle Mariners, and he retired because he probably didn't want to, you know, take his family to a different place. So um, it's kind of you know, I didn't even hear rumors of the retirement. This is this is actually pretty pretty uh, surprising to say the least. Like uh, usually you're prepared for someone retiring, and you have a lot. Maybe things to say, but this was so abrupt,
0: yeah. And uh, <laughs> straight to the negativity from George Orzure on today's podcast, Kyle Seager, no playoffs, not very good coming back. <laughs> but I was, you know, for me, it, it, yes, he's obviously a guy that didn't make the playoffs like anybody else in this last 20 year era of the Mariners, but you know, that was something I was personally just going to get into a little later because I just wanted to start with the the concept of. You know, he is a guy that stuck with the Mariners for 11 years. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's a superstar because he's not. He's a one time all star. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, he's a player that there was potentially a few seasons where he probably could have been a trade deadline guy uh, for a contender to fill in a couple of voids. But he wanted to be a Seattle Mariner. And that's pretty at the end of the day for the franchise that we've had, unfortunately, over the last 20 years. It's pretty endearing, I guess, right, to have a guy that wants to be here his entire career, kind of Felix Hernandez-esque, and uh, spend their entire career in Seattle. And that's what I really appreciated about Kyle Seeger. There was a lot of ups and downs. I get that. um, Like I said, never a superstar, but a high-quality player that, I guess, fortunately liked playing for the Mariners enough that he really just Mm -hmm. wanted to have his entire career be a Seattle Mariner, unless that changes in the near future, because I guess you never know.
2: I mean, you guys, you never know, but I, I mean, I don't foresee him coming back. I don't think he's like a wishy-washy type of guy. He was pretty adamant that he wanted to be a Seattle Mariner, as you said, and he stayed as a Seattle Mariner his whole entire career. And just to clarify for the listeners, when I say he didn't make the playoffs, that's not his fault. It's just disappointing that our team didn't wasn't able to take someone like him to the playoffs, someone like Felix to the playoffs. Like, I really wish guys like them that were such great players for this organization were able to get a taste and feel and you kind of put, you know, just as high quality guys around them. So, I mean, he's a, he had a great career. He'll definitely be a guy. I mean, I think, I don't know who are all the Mariners with retired numbers or, you know, plaques like Jay Buhner, Dan Wilson, but Cal Seeger's is definitely going to be on that short list of, you know, top 10, 15 Seattle Mariners of all time at this. Uh, and especially he's a Mariner, thickened through, right? I mean, we had guys, even like Griffey, who left um, him, Edgar, Dan Wilson. I mean, those are guys you just say, hey, that's a Seattle Mariner.
0: Yeah. I think he's a Dan Wilson to be kind of maybe a good comparison in in some way. Um, You know, the Mariners only have three retired numbers. I think it's it's Edgar, Griffey, and Jackie Robinson. So the retired number, it's probably going to be each row one day, or I think he is getting his retired this year. The number retirement. So, so can I stop level
2: you? Of, can I stop you real quick? Do, yeah. But they, they do they. So I know they I know, had was, like something. That was, that I was gonna there. ask you about that. Okay.
0: Like I was saying, that was the point is that they don't retire numbers often, but they do have the Ring of Honors or whatever it is. Like the Seahawks, mm-hmm. like they've had the plaque for uh Randy Johnson, I think, and they've done some stuff for Dan Wilson or whatever I believe. So, like I was saying, was he's not going to be a retired numbered guy, obviously, but. He, you know that's probably going to be Ichiro and maybe like a Felix Hernandez who get their numbers retired, but he will be some type of dude that gets some type of ceremony from the Mariners, whether it's mm-hmm. a plaque in one of in third base, like a third base like plaque of some sort, or you know in the Ring of Honor or whatever it is they call it, because um, he is maybe a, like a Dan, uh, a guy that's maybe not a super duper star, but kind of a Mariners guy uh, and like a guy that you'll always remember as a Seattle Mariner.
2: Yeah. And I guess it's called, I just Googled it, the Seattle Mariners Hall of Fame. And you're right. It's guys like, uh, Jamie Moyer, Lou Piniella, Griffey, Randy Johnson, Dan Wilson, Edgar Martinez, Jay Biener, Dave and Alvin Davis. And I totally expect him, uh, to be part of that list, uh, and probably not in the too distant future. That's a tough, that's actually a pretty good list though. That's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one, but it's someone like him who's been there for 11 years, uh, You know, overall, I would say during maybe, um, and it sucks, like one of the worst eras of Seattle Mariners baseball because we never made the playoffs, the longest drought in all of baseball, he was one of the two pillars of consistent success, him and Felix.
0: Yeah. um, That's true. So, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that's what matters, right, is that he stuck through and through. He was an all-star during those times. And ended up being a just an overall great player for the Seattle Mariners, and I guess yeah. that's what matters. He's not at obviously he's not at Ichiro, Griffey, Felix, Buner, Egger levels, but um, not everybody is. And you know that's I think he, I think you know what he's doing now to be what is he on his 11th season? He's either like 33 or 34. For him to retire as a Seattle Mariner, I think is. I guess more of a case that he is a Mariners guy, right, and a guy that should be in the Mariners Hall of Fame. Because it's very easy for a guy like him to go get a three, four million dollar contract, like with a team that's missing a spot at third base and compete for the next three, four years for a championship, and then you're less of a Mariners guy. But he's really going. He really went for it in the sense of, all right, I could probably keep playing, but I can keep me, my wife, and my three kids who've raised their whole lives here. I can just stay in Seattle and and probably, you know, he's the type of dude I bet can end up being part of the organization. Like Edgar has recently and Griffey's now a consultant for the, you know, or whatever he is. Would you? I wouldn't be shocked if he was like a operations consultant or like ends up being like a third base coach one day or something like that. He seems like that kind of guy.
2: Yeah, possibly. Um, That was kind of my next point actually. So, I'll go from there. The only reason I said possibly, I, there are rumors that him and Jerry Depoto didn't speak for the last two years, and there was some stuff between him and the front office, not his teammates or coaches. And that's where I wanted to get to with Kyle Seeger. <laughs> it's kind, it's kind of uh, and uh, choked on my coffee. That's my bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all good. I you don't you know I think we do need to find a word for in Arabic since we're Arabic brothers. We say almost the equivalent of "bless you" when someone coughs. It's kind of weird in English. We don't we just look at the other person when they cough and we don't have like a uh, a saying like when someone sneezes. So no, we should come do. up you with say one. you good. That's all I say. You, good? you all right? All right, I guess that worked you all right. Um but my point here was that it's kind of ironic and really shows the loyalty of Kyle Seeger to retire as a Seattle Mariner. After an organization who, frankly, if we want to talk about the front office here with Jerry DePoto, maybe not speaking to him for the last two years, the president of the organization who got fired talking literally crap about him uh, at a, you know, event, um, he showed loyalty to a franchise that really wasn't ready to show loyalty back to him, which is really like surprising, right? He doesn't have that ego where he's like, basically like, oh, this franchise really said fuck you, and I'm going to say fuck you back. Instead, he embraced the fans, he embraced his teammates, and he embraced an organization with loyalty that really didn't necessarily show loyalty back to him.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously, there was a lot of those stories about the DePoto stuff. There's one part that I don't necessarily find to be a big deal that was kind of overblown on social media, and it's kind of confirmed that that is the process of how things go, where the assistant GM messaged him that he was not being re-signed. Uh, I read deeper into that, and that's kind of like the process for any MLB team, right? Like the GM doesn't usually Mm -hmm. directly message you. It's usually directly the assistant GM, and Kyle kind of knew this was coming. But the first part that you said is kind of what makes it a bigger deal, is that he spent 11 seasons with the Mariners, and him and Jerry Depoto don't like each other, right? And it's pretty well known. They didn't talk for the last two years, like once, text, phone call, in person. Um, DePoto obviously had that, you know, Oh, I don't like this contract and I didn't sign it. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with you. Like, I don't (laughs) like you, which is kind of a weird thing to do as a GM, right? Cause it's like, yeah, it's not your fault. His contract was a little larger than it should be for his production. Now he got it after being, he got it because he was an all-star. And if he continued in that trajectory, that contract probably would have been very friendly, but he, though he kind of topped off that all-star year in 2014. He didn't bottom out too too fast, but he kind of just stayed where he was, right? Right. Like that's I don't understand why that meant Jerry Depoto had to have such like a scarred relationship with him, and like you said, I do find it very interesting though that he, you know, decided okay, people that are in the organization right now don't like me, but I'm not gonna not like them back. I'm gonna still show loyalty to my Seattle Mariners, and I think mm-hmm. that
2: like you said, puts them on a higher pedestal. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the best way to say it. Like, I don't know how else to say about Kyle Seager other than he showed loyalty to an organization that didn't necessarily show loyalty back to him at the end. And I think that's yeah. really commendable.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there's been two players in these last three years, four years, whatever it is, three years. Uh, and Felix Hernandez and Kyle Seager, who, you know, I kind of believed Hey, they, they can maybe come back for another year on a smaller contract or like, is it really like the last season for them on this team? And, you know, both of them, it looks like Jerry DePoto. And, you know, this is probably the right thing to do as a GM. So I'm not even hating on him. He's not falling into the nostalgia mm-hmm. or anything like that. Jerry Depoto's all business and I can't blame him for that. You know, we've had a really bad team. He's turned our team around for the most part so far. So you can't really hate on a GM for not falling for the nostalgia for fans.
2: You can't at all. You're right. I, that's a great point. So you're telling me he's like Bill Belichick of uh of baseball. Nope. But I, I hope he becomes I was that. Hoping, uh, that's uh, what I was hoping for. To be honest with you. you so hopefully.
0: I would call Theo Epstein the Bill Belichick of baseball. He's what led championships for multiple teams. So yeah. Sorry, that's you. Not that's not sorry, quite man. Jerry Dipoto yet, but he is a risk taker. He doesn't fall for the nostalgia. He's a businessman, and I can appreciate that part of it. But you know, it does. It did shock me when Felix got you know a small contract elsewhere. I was like, hey, we could have given him the one million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with Seager now. I'm like, okay, well, couldn't he if he really doesn't want to leave Seattle? Like, I what, what I don't understand yet, and we'll probably find out as it comes here in the next couple of days or whatever. I'm sure somebody will interview Seager or the team. My wonder is, George, did he want to retire or did he not want to leave Seattle? Like, was it, you know, was it like, oh, if they could give me a one million dollar contract or be on the bench or be a utility guy or be the third baseman if we don't sign a good third baseman which we don't have a third baseman yet technically that you know set in stone i wonder if he wanted to leave or didn't want to leave or if he actually just wanted to finish be done playing baseball that's what's going to interest me the most because we i think we like i, I don't know if you ask me i don't I'm know gm but i would give kyle seager like a million two million dollar contract
2: yeah, I'm going to guess he just didn't want to leave Seattle because there wasn't going to be a market for him, right? I, it seemed like we we know that. It makes you wonder, and, and in that last game of the season where he showed so much emotion, I mean, maybe his mind wasn't made up yet, but I wonder if in the back of his mind when he was showing all that emotion and really taking in the moment, if he actually knew that was his last time on a baseball diamond in the major league level. It just makes me wonder.
0: Yeah, and you know, if not, at least he soaked it up the right way, even if it, you know, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like maybe he did know, but at least, at least he got to go out in the right manner because, you know, if, if he didn't do it, the they did it in the right way. That's all I'm saying. It's like at least, and I don't know if it was, he knew it, but it's interesting. He was coming off his career high in home runs. <laughs> I know. You know, and you know he hasn't been batting amazing. Do not get me wrong. I think he he batted two twelve last year. Okay, so he's not. But you know, a lot of there's a lot of home run hitting guys that bat like that. Um, And yeah, don't get me wrong. He's not a super duper star or by any means right now. He's not. You know, hitting the shit out of the ball where like you know you're like oh we have to get bring him back. But he hit thirty five home runs like. You know i bad at 212 if you have a couple more hits go your way if you're in the 220s 230s
2: with 35 home runs yeah
0: you know, that's a guy that you think can play another year in the mlb
2: totally no no, totally so um i have a question for you but i totally agree with everything you just said there but i think just to wrap up the kyle Seeger topic i put up a poll on t- my twitter uh and i said where does kyle seeger rank on all-time mariners though? from fifth to 10th of all time 10 to 15 15 to 20 25 to 50 where do you think he ranks like did you think he's a top 10 mariner of all time like that five to ten range or is he more like that 10 to 15 range and i'm not talking about guys who had a cup of coffee in seattle like ricky henderson right i'm talking about like mariner's careers
0: yeah i mean it just depends what you consider a top five or ten list um He's obviously not one through five, but I think it's pretty clear you can make an easy, easy argument between to be five to 10, um, mm-hmm. based on not quality of player only, not just statistics, but based on career longevity with the team, what they mean to the team. I think, you know, in terms of like just baseball, he's probably in the 10 to 15. Um, mm-hmm. but I think in terms of what he means to the Seattle Mariners fans and like, maybe what he means to the organization, he could be in the five to 10 range because there are people that would argue like an Alex Rodriguez is below Kyle
2: Seager because he just left for money. Right. See, that was, talking- my, that was like, that's kind of my like thought process right now. I was like, who would like, where would you rank him Cause they left. That, that's a great point. It, it depends. I mean, like if we're
0: just talking baseball talent, Seager is going to be probably in the 10 to 20 range. Right. Uh, most, most likely 15 to 20, but you know, you can't only, when you talk about best players and you know, it's like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James in basketball, who's the best Miami heat player. It's Dwayne Wade, but LeBron James is better than Dwayne Wade, but he's just, if it wasn't for Dwayne Wade, LeBron wouldn't have ever gone to Miami. So it's right. It it just all depends on that. I think Kyle Seager, literally anywhere between 10 and 20 in terms of play. And in terms of importance to the franchise is probably where it is. But if you told me he's the, seventh most important guy in franchise history with a mix of, you know, the organizational stuff and play. I I, I probably couldn't argue it. If you just told me by play, he wouldn't be in the top 10 though. So I think yeah. you probably see it the
2: same way. I, I do. I'll probably like, you know, I've just, I I'll probably put him around 10th exactly because of longevity and importance. And I think that our top five is pretty much solidified in Mariners history with, you know, who we, who we've had in the past. Um I don't want to do a top 10 list right now because I forget people in my head and I don't think you're ready for it or neither am I, but uh, maybe something I'll put up on <laughs> on social media later today.
0: Yeah, I think just that at the end of the day, um, it's a complicated situation uh, in this era, especially. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of memories over the last 20 years of Felix Hernandez, of Ichiro Suzuki, of um, Robinson Cano, Kyle mm-hmm. Seegers of the world. Um, with no playoff appearances, and that's, you know, that's tough because, let's just say one of those seasons. Even though Robinson Cano had a what four year, five year stint in Seattle, right? Let's let's just say one of those years, like 2016, when it was like him and Cruz and Seager all playing really well. Let's say we broke a 15 year playoff drought. Robinson Cano, even though it's a short stint in Seattle, could have been like a top five guy or top seven. Oh, right? totally. Of the, totally. Because of the culture change and like, wow, you actually like, that was for anybody in their tens, twenties or thirties. They're like, wow, they broke the drought that I've experienced my whole life. Thank you, Robinson Cano. Um, so there's so many weird situational things as a Seattle Mariners fan uh, when it comes to ranking, because there is a 20 year drought of playoffs. And sometimes it's really hard to, to feel the right value in certain things when, it's been a losing organization for 20 straight years. You know, that that <laughs> does make things more difficult. That's why we stick to all the old school guys. Outside of Ichiro and Felix, I feel like, you know, if you talk about most Mariners Legends, it's, you know, 2000 and before. Outside you know, of Ichiro it, and Felix.
2: Well, two things. One guy who's not on the Mariners legend list, I just want to put it out there in case anyone wants to debate, is Eric Bedard. Uh, no one it seems like the most hated Mariner of all time, but um, here's the thing with that what you're that saying is the kind most of random like, thing you've ever said. Like, I understood
0: the joke, but like, I, like never would have. There's, some, there's
2: something about Eric Bedard that just rubs me the wrong way till today. That trade still like bunks me because I was so high on it, and it just it's like the epitome of my like Seattle Mariner's life. Um, yeah. but here's the it thing, has, okay, whoa, okay, just one second, it has. Yeah. It has a
0: Robbie Ray has that potential, just an FYI, but even though I think he's going to be great, Robbie Ray has Eric Bedard potential. And just because it's, you know, oh, weirdly had a good year or two and like, well, let's let's pay him a lot and sign him. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't happen with Robbie Ray, but very um, Eric Bedard esque territory if yeah he doesn't the
2: only difference there though at least we didn't give up our farm system for him we we signed him as Correct. a free agent we lose some money but anyway um the one thing i do want to say though it's kind of weird if you look at the Seattle Mariners history in general, right? Because if you go look through the 70s and 80s, we really didn't have much of anything, right? Like, there's no no playoff appearances from our from the day we were formed in 1977, I think, 79, 76, I might be getting the day wrong, all the way until 1995. So, when you're saying the top Mariners, you're right. It's kind of crazy because it's literally like that 1990s pocket, part of 2000 and then like Felix Kyle Seeger. But like anything other than Alvin Davis pre 1995 like it was kind of forgotten because it was very bad no other word to describe it
0: yeah so it was 18 year playoff drought 77 to 95 so that's 18 years and now 2001 until this 20 years so yeah Mm -hmm. we had an 18 year playoff drought with four playoffs in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. So, we, had, yeah, 18-year playoff drought, four <laughs> playoff appearances out of seven years, and then a 20-year playoff drought.
2: <laughs> yeah. Seattle Mariners baseball, baby. It's pretty rough. It's like pretty me, rough.
0: Pre-2001, like pre-2001, outside of Ichiro, who played in 2001, but, like, Ichiro and Felix, like, that's why a lot of the names are right there in 95 through 2000 with Griffey, A-Rods, Jay Buners Dan Wilson's like Edgar Jimmy Martinez. Moyers. Yeah. That's why Randy Johnson, they're all right there because you know, that's four out of four to seven years in the playoffs. Um, and there are only four out of what are we at now? We're at four years, 40 years. It's pretty bad. Oh, yeah, 44 seasons, good. four playoff appearances. Not very good. Yeah, that's rough, but it happens. It's fine. Um, Last thing I'll say about this whole Kyle Seager stuff before we move on to some Seahawks today is that you know I just think at the end of the day, George, um, I wouldn't be shocked. This is a personal thing. I wouldn't be shocked if he plays again. I don't. I feel like this could be one of those. But maybe maybe it's for the Mariners. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not taking any guesses on that. I just he's 34. He's pretty young, Um, had 35 home runs last year. What if the Mariners don't figure out a third-base solution? Like, ah, actually, I don't know. Jerry Depoto doesn't seem like a guy that would swallow his pride. So, never mind. Yeah, I, I don't know.
2: I don't think so. But like you said, never say never, though. Never say never, George. Put it on a postcard. Well,
0: I guess we can get into some Seahawks now, right?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah, so... Thank you, Fun. Kyle Seeger, for the memories. I mean, it's kind of a depressing podcast. We got Kyle Seeger retiring, talked about 20-year playoff droughts, how no
2: Mariners ever make the playoffs.
0: Straight to the five and – what are they? Five and ten Seahawks.
2: <laughs> yeah, the only thing – hopefully, just one thing I'm going to say is like – I know it's a depressive mood here on the podcast, but let's just hope that Mariners baseball starts in spring trainings, not like postponed so we can enjoy some – Positive news out of,
0: yeah. And if world. it's your first time listening to our podcast, me and George do live in Phoenix, Arizona now. Um, born and raised in Seattle, but uh, now in Phoenix, and it's our first year that we could be in the area experiencing spring training. And of course, there's a lockout. And if spring training, spring training doesn't happen our first year here, I, I must admit, I will be quite disappointed.
2: I'm same here, man. Same here. Put me on that boat,
0: it'll be tough. So let's not. Let's hope we don't end the end our podcasting season on a five and twelve Seahawks team. Uh, there's no Mariners baseball because there's a lockout, and then we're just sitting here like, all right, well, Seattle sports, baby, and no NBA team. Still don't have
2: one. Yeah. And the Kraken are, I think, our last place in in the Western Conference. So
0: mm, it's probably the Coyotes, isn't it? Well, not much of an intro here. The Seahawks are five and 10 and, you know, we, I don't know, like we are quite the, a bad football team, but I don't know if we're that bad. Cause like, you know, we've had some leads, we looked okay. We looked really good against the bears for a while and then just had a lead what 90%, 99% of the game. Right. Um, it was a very odd feeling. And I just, I guess I'm posing a couple questions left and right because we have a five and 10 Seahawks team. You know, there's a lot of talk about, is it time to move off P Carroll? Do we trade Russell Wilson? What's Russell Wilson's trade value? Is he still as good as we thought? There's so much going on. I don't even know where to begin, but I'm guess I'm going to start with the classic, you know, question is what do you think happened this week? Do you think the team quit? Do you think, they're just not that good because there's probably a mix of both there, obviously. But you you shouldn't be blowing a lead to the Bears, even when your season's kind of over.
2: Well, especially against our third string quarterback. I know he's Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles, but uh, he's, he's, he's still, good, George. He's still the third string quarterback of the Chicago Bears, and it's not acceptable to blow a lead at home. And that's, I mean, I guess let's start there. That's kind of the saddest part of all this is our home field. Like people used to come into CenturyLink field and, you know, last year there was a pandemic uh, and we had no fans. So I don't want to count last season's like home record into context because it's not the same without fans. But this season with fans present, we're two and five at home. Like, this is the Seattle Seahawks. We're talking about a team that has been just so damn good at home. And this has been like without Russell Wilson, we were what one in one at home. So I mean, Russ himself has gone one in four at home this season. Like it's, it's weird. I don't understand. And that's kind of the epitome of saying, Hey, this team's just not very good this year because of maybe multiple things. But that's the one glaring thing that I see. It's like, even if we were bad on the road and we're good at home, you'd be like, okay, so this team still has something. The crowd's still energized, but there's not even. It's weird that we blow a third at home against a third-string quarterback. It's just, it's mind-boggling to me. Uh, I, think, uh, I don't think the heart's there right now. Um, I'm actually very concerned
0: about the Lions game coming up this weekend. Uh, the Lions seem like they play for a lot. Uh, yeah, they really like their coach, obviously. They're enjoying being the underdogs that are finding a way to sneak away some victories or be close. They, you know, they didn't have high expectations. So I think they're really enjoying just competing in games and playing hard and having opportunity to win games. And it scares me because the Seahawks kind of have the opposite feeling right now. Um, There's that feeling of, wow, the Seahawks can't even get past the Chicago bears. as like six point favorites at home. Um, They're blowing leads. Uh, They're losing to third string quarterbacks. There's everyone wants to talk about firing Pete Carroll. Do we trade Russell Wilson? Like Jamal Adams was such a bad trade. Oh, our defense sucks. Just fire Ken Norton. Like everything in Detroit, I feel like is on the up, right? Because they're like a young, feisty team. While you have the Seahawks team this week that's coming in like disappointment, stress, uh, underachievement. And I kind of felt that during the Bears game too. Uh, Even though the Bears. Have a coach is probably going to be fired, and on a third-string quarterback, I I don't I I just feel like the Seahawks were the team that was just playing with disappointment and underachievement, and you know you have a couple you have a big play to Metcalf to start the game, and you're like oh look the Seahawks look fine, and then just
2: slow down and dwindle off for the rest yeah, of the game. Me- Metcalf had sense. I think zero yards receiving after that touchdown. I think he had a reception for zero yards right after. Uh, I'm not even sure. I don't even know if he had a target to be honest. I know it's it's it it is very weird. Um you're talking about the Lions and their like ability to rally around the team and like it seems like they're playing for a lot. And you know nothing is more evident of that than um what their coach Dan Campbell said. They asked him about DeAndre Swift the running back who's had some injury concerns and had a lot of mileage on him this season. And they asked him when are you going to shut down uh, DeAndre Swift uh here, you know, try to preserve him for the rest of his career next season, and he said, "Yeah, we're going to shut him down after the Green Bay game. Green Bay's game happens to be their last game of the season. So, in other words, no, we're not shutting him down. I just thought that was a great quote. So
0: he cares. He he's the type of he, coach that they they have a care of football. They're not trying to tank. They're not don't care about draft picks. Like he's a blue collar. He's perfect for Detroit. He's a blue collar. I don't think he'd work in any other city. Just no, blue collar work in that Seattle that's trying to work hard." Right, they—they're they, blue-collar guy that just hey work hard. No, I'm
2: not shutting down shit. Like we're here to win games. Exactly, break their kneecaps. I think is what he said. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the season. That is exactly um, what he said. But you're right, and here's my thing that and you said there's a um there's some concern here about whether the Lions game right, and my concern is more about just the Seahawks in general. I'm wondering here. And I, I don't know if I'm the fire Pete Carroll or trade Russell Wilson. I'm just going to kind of – I'm kind of like 50-50 on both sides. Like If they if we restart, we restart. If we bring them back, I know they've had really immense success, and I'm hopeful that they can reachieve that success. But my my concern is, let's say they go into this Detroit Lions game. I think it's going to show a lot, and they look flat, and they lose the game. Is the team tuning out Pete Carroll at that point? Is a team – Tuning out the coaching staff at that point—that's when I'll have real questions. And I said I was—I actually thought I'd have those questions after the uh, after the Bears game, but we had the lead for so long. It was weird how we blew it. So I'm just wondering. Like, let's just say we lose to the Lions and we look flat. Doing it. Is that say that we've tuned? Like, are we tuned out? And is being tuned out enough to be like, hey, we gotta, we gotta get rid of this coaching staff?
0: I'm gonna keep it real with you, and the fact that you know this is the same shit we talked about last week. So yes and no. I mean, at the end of the day, the answer is probably no because, like, if if we believe that, then you should believe it from now. Uh, if you think the coaching, if they've tuned out PK on the coaching staff, then you should believe that today because of the loss to the Bears. It shouldn't matter what happens against the Lions. Um, I think. So that's why it's like yes and no because we talked about this before last game. If they don't have the fight and find a way, if they blow a game, or if they lose to this bears team, it shows against the third string. It shows that either they're tuning out Pete Carroll or the team is it on themselves. Like, doesn't matter. Like I've heard some people's theories of Russell Wilson is just like, he's not going to run too often. He's not going to hurt his body. Like he knows Man. that they're not making the playoffs this year. So I don't think it matters if they win or lose to the Lions in terms of the answer to that, because I think that should be determined. Mm-hmm. Already off the loss to the bears, because like I said, it's either, either they're just not good. They don't listen to Pete Carroll. People are the teammates are just disappointed in general. They don't believe in themselves right now, or just Russ Wilson might be preserving his body. He wanted to play and be that guy, but he didn't, you know, he's not putting his body on the line. Uh, so I think there's no answer to that. I just think that that bears loss was embarrassing the way that we lost, and that should tell us everything we need to know. But unfortunately, we don't know how deep those answers go. Right? We don't know if it's player personnel or if it's all the way deep
2: to the point of like, no, they just like tuned out everything. You know? What I yeah. Mean? And I guess I mean the people around the team and the organization probably know it, right? I right, so yeah. Like, it's not our job to know it. I mean, it's, I guess, you know, it's a podcast. We're going to speculate. <laughs> uh, otherwise, we'd probably just sit down here and, you know, write facts for you guys. But in general, Maybe that's the best way to look at it, and just trust organization and trust the process. If we do clean house, or we do look at getting rid of Pete Carroll, or we do say, "Hey, let's trade Russ because we find find him to be a de, de, de appreciating asset rather than a appreciating asset." Then sure, let's go ahead and do it and trust the organization. I don't have those answers. Um, I'm, I can tell you what I think. I think that Pete Carroll. Um, is the best coach in franchise history. I think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in franchise history. Sometimes all good things and all relationships come to an end. And if this is the end, I uh, will we'll celebrate all the past successes. And if it's not the end, we'll get into next season ready to believe. <laughs> That's really all I can really say at this point um, because we're not inside that locker room, and I just I just don't like what I see. I really don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm kind of in the same boat here, which is like you said, like you either have to decide like that you believe in what's happening if they come back. And if not, you're ready for your change. And I'm the type of person I'm gonna continue to say this is that I don't think it's time for the change yet. Mm-hmm. Um but that's a it's all like you said, speculation opinion for me at the end of the day is I don't know how many years P Carroll has left anyways. He's 70, he's gonna be 71 um, and I think at the end of the day, what's going to matter the most is what does Russell Wilson want to do, right? Now, if Russell Wilson himself wants out of Seattle, regardless of P. Carroll, I'm not firing P. Carroll. Uh, I'm just gonna, you know, unless he's like a kind of end of my time. Um, if Russell Wilson wants P. Carroll gone, the organization's probably gonna have to side with Russell Wilson. Um, and if they both want to be back together for one more run. Organization is probably going to say, Yeah, okay, if, if our best coach ever and our best quarterback ever want to be back for one more run, we're here to support that. So, the hard answer, the hard thing to answer, and I think you agree with this, is we don't know what Russell Wilson's thinking. I think that's one big piece, right? Uh, true, that's very true. Like, because Russell Wilson, and this is not, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but he's good at putting on a show and he should as a professional. To be honest, we all do. Everyone does. Yeah.
2: Every person I in any industry
0: should. Yeah. I don't want him to go up and act all pissy. Like, a I don't know, like there's Cam some Newton. Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton's all pissy about things. Like, no, he's a professional. He's like, I'm on the team this season. I'm going to act professional. Even if he doesn't want to be here, he's being mature and professional. So he's putting on a show maybe, or maybe he actually is thinks everything's going to be fine next year. And he's just like, Oh, tough year. Let's wait it out. So, the hard thing is I genuinely 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 think the answers within Russell Wilson and what he's thinking like either he wants to leave or he wants Pete gone or he wants to run it back because if if he goes to Jody Allen he says, "Hey Jody, I will I want to be back next year and I want to be with Pete Carroll and I think we can do it." She's going to say, "Okay."
2: She's going to listen. Yeah, no, no, totally. <laughs> but here's here's my problem. I I'm going to just read out some stats and Stuff And yeah, you've heard all these before, before the people on the podcast. And it just makes me ponder, right? So we beat yeah, and the 49ers. I'll, I'll hit you with some more positive stats after. Yeah, yeah. No, no, totally. And that's totally fine. But I, it's been since a, a 37-27 win on November 1st last season against the San Francisco 49ers. The Seahawks put up, I think, 44 points that game. Since then, we've gone 11-16. That's a season and a half. And those have included losses to Jared Goff twice, including a playoff game, Colt McCoy twice at home, Taylor Heineke, Nick Foles at home. And Russell Wilson's during that period has thrown for over 300 yards in a game twice in a league where people throw over 300 yards. It seems like on just whenever they want. And in those games where Russ has cooked and thrown over 300 yards, we were 0 and two. So, those are some concerning stats to me. Um, they're not stats I like. They're stats that are very, and I, my opinion, able to be turned around. But it's been almost a season and a half of these stats, and I don't know at what point do I say these are concerning? Do I say that two seasons? Do I say that three seasons? Or what um, make me feel better?
0: <laughs> oh, there's nothing to make people feel better. I think stats are just stats, um, and at the end of the day, I know Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. Like, I uh, there's that. There's an eye test to it. He's not as good as his whatever he was a year and a half ago right now. And I don't know if that's injury. I don't know if that's offensive line. I don't know if that's the scheme. I don't know if that's P. Carroll. I don't know if he's just aged a little bit, right? I know Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. Um, if you watch football, I think you can understand like outside of stats. If you watch football, you know, Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. Now he's not as good. Like I said, as he maybe was like when we were watching him two years ago. Right. I think at the end of the day, you got to consider the fact that the Seahawks also this year did lose Russell Wilson for multiple games. You know, we'd right. be in a much different situation if we had Russell Wilson over Geno Smith for a couple of those games. On the, you know, overtime drive against Pittsburgh, um, what was the other one? Jacksonville, we won. Uh, yeah. There was one more.
2: Geno went one um, and two. I mean, we could have went maybe two and one for us. I don't know if we'd be. Yes. I don't know. I have no idea because Russ hasn't played good. He has been I understand, identical hasn't to Geno put- Smith. Okay, I understand,
0: but you, uh, that's why I'm saying that's the injury. Like, you know, right. th- that's why without that injury, those three games wouldn't have been injured Russ. It could have been healthy Russ. Um, mm-hmm. This team was actually pretty fine to start the year. They had some rough, you could see where they had some like rusty bolts, you know, like blowing the lead to Tennessee, who ended up being one of the best teams in the league, beating the Colts early on, who ended up being one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, beating the 49ers twice who are one of the better teams in the NFL. Um, And I think if you had Russell Wilson, not injured maybe in in, the nine seven to the Rams when he got hurt that game with, and with Geno Smith made it all the way to overtime, there's a lot that could have gone different if Russell Wilson was available and healthy. And for me, I'm just the type of person that I'm like, okay, he got hurt. We had a bad season. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, Tom Brady tore his ACL once and you know like that people get hurt you know and then I just want to see with a full season of health what is this going to mean for Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and I just think that you know we didn't get to see that I mean we made the playoffs last year I know people want to make it sound so bad like oh yeah he didn't throw for 300 yards this one time okay he didn't do this oh the defense isn't perfect like yeah, you know we played the Los Angeles Rams in the playoffs last year, and we lost. Uh, we had a tough game. Okay, well we made the playoffs. We had the long. We were tied for the longest winning record streak in the NFL. Not really a bad thing, uh, but, right? You know, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid look like shit to start the season, right? Yep. Patrick Mahomes never got hurt. He had time to kind of get back in his groove, and now they're the best team in the AFC again. So. I don't know if that was going to happen to the Seahawks, but I guess that's kind of my point: is we could have potentially seen a situation maybe like the Chiefs, right, where they played really bad, had a pretty bad struggle to start the year, but Mahomes didn't get hurt, nothing happened, so he was able to kind of, you know, wiggle his way back into who he's used to being.
2: And the last thing I wanted to say is, Wait, the, can, uh, can I can I answer that real quick before we move on? Yeah, just a quick rebuttal because I did I, I did hear you say oh he didn't throw for 300 yards once like it, he's barely thrown for 300 yards and my biggest problem there is out of his last 16 starts I just looked at it he's thrown under 200 yards in 8 of them like he's just not been effective PFF has him ranked this year in games he's played as the 24th best quarterback in the NFL Russell Wilson frankly has been not Good. I don't know if that's only uh, we, injuries. We
0: all know this, but that's no, not I like that's, that's great my concern. That
2: has him ranked there, right? But like
0: that—that's does that's not the Russell Wilson that we know. Do you expect Russell Wilson to
2: be the 24th best quarterback from now on? Rest of no, year? but but I'm I'm worried that he's never going to be a top 10 quarterback ever again. I I, I am worried about that because we have a full 16 game slate now of him not being an effective quarterback, and I'm just I don't know. Usually, when people age they it's not like people usually don't age gracefully not everyone's aaron Rodgers, tom brady what made russell wilson so effective was his ability to get outside the pocket scramble make make moves and improvise i don't see that much anymore and i'm not saying that i i'm not saying we should trade him i'm just saying it worries me and it's a concern that's all it's just a concern for me
0: okay like golden boy patrick mahomes right if you he's been up and down a lot this season, right? Yes, he has. He's thrown under 200 yards twice in the last one, two, and during their winning streak, he's thrown under, uh, you know, he's had some big games, but he's also had games where he passed for 166 yards, 260 with a pick and no touchdowns, 184 yards in a pick, um, and 258 yards. You know, he has a couple 400s in there. Cause that's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not comparing Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes right now, but, I'm not going to take numbers of a quarterback when we know the talent and see the talent and try to say that this is why these guys are so kind of on a pedestal. We're not talking about Baker Mayfields. We're not right. talking about Kirk cousins of the world, Russell Wilson, whether or not he's as good as Kirk cousins this year, Russell Wilson's right here. And then a couple steps below is Kirk cousins career wise, you know, totally in general, totally. whatever it is. So, I'm not really a prisoner of the moment in these scenarios with quarterbacks. I think I might be with somebody like Baker Mayfield right now, right? Where I'm like, Ugh, maybe he's not very good, right? Because it's just going downhill. But he never had that. He was never on the like pedestal, right? right. Like he was never up there. Russell Wilson's like, been up there. And so I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment in a 16-game sample and say Russell Wilson is X, Y, and Z because of this. I'm going to look at the last – since 2012 – They tied for the most win. They have the most wins as a coach quarterback combo in the entire NFL. More than Brady and uh, more than Brady and Belichick. You know, they have they were this is the first time the Seahawks, and this is a bad stat, but it shows how good we've been. This is the first time since '96, we're gonna finish last in our in a division. The Seahawks Mm -hmm. have always been a consistent pillar of just good average or great or whatever it is. I'm just really trying not to be stuck in this – what's it called? Like tunnel vision or in this capsule thinking Mm -hmm. like, okay, our first time ever finishing last, first time Russell Wilson's playing bad, the first time people are criticizing Pete Carroll at this level, should we blow it up, right? Because I'm like, "Ah." or should we put on our patience and see one more year and see if Russell Wilson's healthy for a full year? Because what's the difference, right? Like for me,
2: oh, you fire Pete Carroll get rid of Russell Wilson. We'll be bad next year. Cool, right? Like, well, there's there is a there. huge there is a huge difference. The difference is if let's say Russ comes back and Russell Wilson looks like the Russell Wilson we've seen this year, the healthy one and the unhealthy one, both because he was bad when healthy. You know what happens? Instead of getting three first round draft picks for Russell Wilson, you're getting that Carson Wentz package, and that's the big. That's the only difference. That, that if you're asking what the difference is, that's the only one.
0: He's gonna he'd get a better package than Carson Wentz. Number one, number two. I'm sorry, he was not bad when he was healthy. You're absolutely incorrect about that. His first four games of the season, if you want to be honest, when we even though we started two and two, which we probably should have been three and two if we didn't blow or three and one if we didn't blow that Tennessee game. First game of the season against the Indianapolis Colts, who are a Super Bowl contender, probably. He passed for 254 yards in four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, game two, he passed he 70% completion, 343 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Had a not a great game against Minnesota, but it was perfectly fine. He was 298 in a touchdown and no picks. And then in a win against San Francisco, he also threw for two touchdowns, no picks, with a rushing touchdown, so three picks total. He was right. playing Russell Wilson-level football, not maybe super-duper MVP level, but he was playing like a top seven quarterback in the first four games of the year. Right before getting hurt against the Rams, and that's where I feel like we're getting so stuck in this capsule of like, wow, he was kind of bad for a couple of games last year, and then he was bad after he's been hurt this year. If you go to those first four games of the season, he he was playing really good football. And I'm like, I said, I'm not trying to say he was an MVP, or right, whatever, right, right, but he was playing good football. I mean, first game of the year against. Against the Colts to go eight against a good Colts team. That, that game, he was
2: really, really good. I remember that game, but don't forget in the Tennessee game, he cost us a game in overtime. Yeah, that, that happens though. I, I understand. No, I know. We shouldn't have but, been in overtime,
0: first of all, but that's like saying, George, oh my God, Tom Brady got shut out by the Saints. Okay. I mean, it happens, right? Like, yeah, oh yeah, totally happens. It totally I'm happens. Just I'm just saying, like, if you look at those first four games, I just, the, the idea that Russell Wilson was bad when he was healthy this year, because I don't, some people wouldn't consider this second half stint as like, he's
2: completely healthy, right? He probably, came I, back I don't, early. I don't think he is.
0: Cause you think he came, he probably came
2: back too early, right? Yeah, Off of, yeah of course. I, I, I totally think he pushed it and tried to be a hero, which is nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that in a negative connotation. Was it just didn't work out. It didn't yeah. work out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so he's been bad. I get it. But those first four games of the season, to be two and two, also, that, that, that was if you look at the teams, we're talking three playoff teams and a Minnesota team who's not bad, right? right. Um, they, they started off the year okay at two and two. Yeah, I, like th- that was an okay two and two. They were looking kind of Kansas City Chiefs ish in the beginning of the year. And to beat the Niners and beat the Colts and probably should have beat the Titans if we didn't, we were up what, fucking 30 to seven, 30 to, yeah. to what is it, 30 to 14 at half or something like that?
2: Something like that.
0: You know that—that's all I'm saying is like, and trust me, I get what you're saying. I'm not—I don't. I totally get what you're saying too. (laughs) Like Russell Wilson of the past, right? He's not been the Russell Wilson we once knew, but to say he wasn't good when he was healthy, I think is also too far on the other side. Because those first four games, if he could, like, let's just—if you look at those numbers, if he continued at that pace the rest of the season, we're probably talking about a pretty decent season where he's actually the you know tenth best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, Um, and that's where my
2: concern is i just think i'd be concerned having the 10th best quarterback in the nfl i mean no but i think russell wilson the guy that we signed to a contract we thought we were going to get top four or five quarterback in the nfl and i don't my concern is is his ceiling now a top 10 quarterback which is still pretty good right it's more Dak prescott than patrick mahomes that's my only concern yeah i i just remember the russell wilson who was i would say the third or second or even first sometimes best quarterback in the nfl and I just don't know if we're going to see that ever again.
0: That's very true. We argued him yeah. being the best quarterback in the NFL for the last three years. How has he yeah. never won an MVP? He should have been this, should have been that. Totally get that. Uh, I guess that's that's where the difference lies there. And, you know, this is it's really interesting because I know that probably everybody either sides on my side on this or your side. There's not much of an in-between. It's either that like, eh, he hasn't been that good. Or there's the side of like, yeah, he hasn't been that good, but like, let's keep it going. And, and, and,
2: and let's be and let's be frank with it for a second. I mean, if Russell Wilson was doing – I think he puts a target on his back for people like me to criticize him with his so, – sorry, social media weirdness. His ability to be able to go and basically criticize – Been like I don't know how much his offensive line must love him for how much he criticized his offensive line last offseason. Um, it seems like he's always he's more now a media mogul than just a go Hawks guy. And he feels like a lot of times in his interviews, he comes off as super fake. So like he also doesn't do himself favors with people like me who know how great of a quarterback he is. But then you see the other stuff and you're like kind of makes you want to roll your eyes. Right. Like and it's. A lot of people feel the same way as I do about that. And it's not a good or bad thing. It's just how, why a lot of people like me feel like, all right, well, shit, you're already bugging me in different things. So I'm going to go ahead and tell, like, take those stats and use them to my, to my like chagrin, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, so once for me, all that other stuff is just hoopla, like, yeah, no, I totally get it. Who cares? Has nothing to do with you know, because like you can say the same about Pete Carroll. Some people are like, "God damn it, Pete Carroll, always Mister Positive, Joy, Joy, Joy." Oh, like, that's
2: why a lot of people want him fired.
0: <laughs> but I don't care. Like he's yeah. won games. He's one of only three coaches, probably I think or three, either maybe it's two or three, one of two or three coaches ever to win at both levels, college and NFL, which is really fucking right. hard to do. Yeah, um, no, he's helped us. Have the best era of football in the history of our franchise. And actually, right. sorry, let me take that back. In the history of Seattle sports, maybe. Actually, not yeah. maybe. What, what am can- I saying? It is the greatest You're stretch right. of, of sports in the history of Seattle. So, like, I don't care how you talk to the media. I don't care. Like, Cam Newton, when he was going to Super Bowls, did anybody care that he was wearing goofy hats? No. No, no but when they lost, it was bad. a target
2: on. Yeah, it becomes a target on yeah, your back. Who cares wh- though? That's what I, mean. I, I care, bro. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a consumer, why? right? But you care why just because, so it gives me- you a. No, but you care that it gives you a reason to criticize, but like, no, 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 that's not why it's just like, you tend to root for people who are more authentic in life. Right. So for example, let me just give you two Seattle stars real quick that are the epitome, the epitome of authenticity. One is is Gary Payton. No. Okay. Gary Payton's one of them and he's beloved. Like, you know who Gary Payton is. And the second one is Marshawn Lynch. I have both Oakland guys, uh, (laughs) ironic, uh, ironic enough. Um both of those guys like I know who they are and I don't care if Ma- Marshawn Lynch was struggling at the end and I was like resign him resign him bring him back beast mode like there's something about authenticity and like me knowing what kind of dude you are all the time that really 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 resonates with fans and at the end of the day This is like, this is a consumer business. Like, and I totally understand the theory with Russell Wilson, Derek Jeter was like this, Tom Brady, Pete Carroll, where, you know, let's who gives a shit about the media. I totally understand that look and that side. And I know why you don't care about all the hoopla, as you said. But there's something to me that makes me root harder for people that are really authentic.
0: I agree with that. I'm not saying I'm rooting harder for Russell Wilson because of his whether he's authentic or unauthentic. Like, that was not the point. The point is talking about Russell Wilson's interviews and all this has nothing to do with giving more reason or less reason to criticize his statistics. So for me, like if Marshawn Lynch is authentic as hell, but fucking sucks, like he kind of sucked when he yeah. came back for his last stint with the Seahawks because he was old and didn't get football anymore. That didn't stop people from being like, ah, well, he's not very good anymore. It doesn't matter if he's authentic or not. That's why for me, we're talking about rooting interest now, but that's a difference. But that's where I wasn't talking about rooting interest. I'm talking about I don't care how you talk to the media. But it doesn't give me a reason to amplify your stats and make them sound worse. I guess because you're not a, like I know what you mean. In a fan mm-hmm. perspective, you might show more love and be a little less critical because you're like that's oh,
2: what that's exactly what I'm saying. You took the words you took what I was saying less perfectly. critical,
0: but but like it doesn't for me when I'm sitting here talking about Russell Wilson stats saying he has it wasn't good when he was healthy I, I can't relate that to the fact that okay i know he's not authentic sometimes whatever but that has nothing to do with the fact that that's not a valid valid statement i'm not saying it's invalid but i'm not saying it's not valid to say he wasn't good when he was healthy because he was at least above average when he was healthy he was above
2: average uh, and he was and he was bad at the end of last season
0: yeah they made the play, and he was healthy
2: was fine enough I don't know. It's just we started off five and zero, and I think we ended the season with ten wins. So we're five and six in the last ten games, so it just makes it's a little frustrating. But it is what it is. Seattle sports, baby.
0: And uh, Russ Wilson, P Carroll has given us, us the best era in the history of Seattle sports.
2: Absolutely, have so not gonna not gonna doubt that
0: one bit. That's where I struggle with the uh, the idea or concept of. Oh, it wasn't good enough. Like, uh, I, are we sure about that?
2: It was great. It was very good. It was the best era ever, as you said. Best ever.
0: And it's going to be for a while. To go to back-to-back championships of whatever sort. Um,
2: It'll be very hard very... to have a better era. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, exactly. And you're talking about our season last year. I just must say. <laughs> I must say we ended the season on a one, two, three, four game winning streak and winning six out of seven. So So it was
2: was the mid-season blues we had.
0: Yeah, we lost two out of three. No, sorry, three out of four mid-season. Three out of four. Okay. We we ended the season beating the Jets, the Washington football team, the Rams, the 49ers.
2: Very good. No, it's great. Just...
0: I think Russell Wilson played better than a lot of people realize, but I know what the problem is. The problem is he didn't play maybe as much as, as good as we like to see him play sometimes. But, you know, last season, George, Russell Wilson had 69% completion percentage, 4,200 yards, 40 touchdowns and 13 picks. It's
2: yeah. A pretty it's good a great season. season. It's a very good season.
0: 40 touchdowns is a, is a lot to throw. Absolutely. got to show love to Russell Wilson folks. If we lose him, you know, you know what I'm waiting for, George? It's hard. We've had Matt Hasselbeck and Russell Wilson. It's hard to keep up with that, that experience.
2: Yeah, no, I I think he's going to be back next season anyway. And I just, like I said, concerned that he's not going to be what we think Russell Wilson should be. I agree. Well, we have a
0: bonus episode coming up at the end of this. Um, It'll be a quickie, but if you don't have time to listen today, it's also going to republish later this week. Um, a bonus episode talking about some of Marshawn Lynch's comments, George. He talked about how he believes in Pete Carroll. Um, he talked about how he believes they have a plan and that he wants to be a part owner of the Seahawks. He all did this on the, I think, the Josie A. Anderson podcast. But we'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, so there'll be a quick little, quick little music break. This, once again, will be at the end of this episode. And... It will be part of the uh, bonus episode releasing by itself later this week. Um, But if you're stopping here, uh, me and George just want to say thank you for supporting. And if you're wondering whose voice it is, as always, I'm Sammy. And I'm George. And uh, this is the Sports on Tap Seattle, and you know what we like to say. Cheers to sports. Stay tuned for the bonus part. You're listening to the Sports on Tap Seattle bonus episode podcast. And I'm Sammy. And I'm George. And today we start with a clip um, that Marshawn Lynch had on Jocena Anderson's podcast.
1: (laughs) Man, to be honest with you, I mean, you know, they, they, uh, I think they'll, they'll they'll be all right, man. I mean, you know, they, 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 uh, they always playing uh, the long game. Mm-hmm. And I think just right now, I mean, you know, shit. Every dog has a day. And I mean, just right now, probably just not their time. But if I know anything about Pete, he working to put some kind of plan together. <laughs> you know, they always what I've known for Seattle, that they always had a plan and they always, you know, they always working for that for that long, for that long end game. And uh, I mean, if if there's any chance for them to to pull it out. Somehow, some way, them motherfuckers they they go ahead and they do their things. So at the end of the day, you know I wouldn't count them out if it ain't uh, if it ain't all said and done. I mean, to be honest with you, I would be talking to her to see how I could get involved with the team with some ownership or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as far as as far as you know what was, when it was, and how it was. I mean. Yeah, it's good to go and reminisce about them days, but shit. Like we all know them days is over now. That's a new team. So you can
0: consider Marshawn Lynch to be part of a Pete Carroll's camp here, and he wants to be a part owner of the team. So maybe he's saying it, George, as a way of like not cutting any ties in the organization right now, but he seems like he's Team Pete and believes in the Seahawks and also wants to be part of ownership group.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, that's great. In general, we've seen a lot of former players, uh, legends of organizations kind of join a, their former organization in some sort of role, a.k.a. Yeah. the San Antonio Spurs seem to do it a lot with like, you know, Tim Duncan, now part of the organization, uh, David Robinson, the Miami Heat have done it Fulonzo morning Alonzo uh, Mourning. We thought Dwayne Wade would he went and got a Utah Jazz ownership group kind of random there. But in general, you see this a lot in organizations where a former player joins in as a part owner and an advisory role in Seattle. Ken Griffey Jr., is, I guess, would be a better example instead of going to San Antonio and Miami.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I was going to just use the example from our podcast right now that we just had, which is, you know, um, we were talking about how Ken Griffey kind of became a part of the Seahawks or the Mariners organization. Um in some type of advisory role. Each row has been like a bench coach, whatever he is. Edgar Martinez has been like a hitting coach. A lot of legends, you know, take part in the organization. Walter Jones for the Seahawks is, you know, one of the main commentators on King five or whatever it is, you know, yep. post game, pregame stuff. There's a lot of people that get involved. Um, but it's also even cooler when they get involved straight with their, their team or the team that they believe in the most. So, Somebody like Marshawn Lynch. And I think we talked about this. You know, we talked about this on the full episode, which was before this, it was a couple of days ago. If you're just listening to the bonus episode, or this is at the end of our main podcast from this week, which you'll see on the feed. Uh, We talked about how, you know, like Gary Payton, so authentic and you have all these authentic guys that people like, like Marshawn Lynch. Like I'm sure Gary Payton, He's the type of dude that'd want to be part of some Sonics ownership right? Um, or be part of the group in some way, shape or form. If the Sonics came back, just like Griffey wanted to be part of this Mariners organization in the way,
2: just, just like, like we want modes. to be part of the Sonics ownership organization when they do come back. So somebody help us with that, please. Somebody help go with that because
0: we're start interested. a go fund me. Yeah. We're very interested. And so there's, you know, it's just cool when you have these authentic individuals that, want to be part of it. And you even see Russell Wilson as a part ownership already in the Sounders. Right. So right. there's a, and, and so this is a normal thing that a lot of players want to do, um, but especially the legends in town. Like, and I would love to see Marshall Lynch part of the organization and be around more. Cause he brings like a, such a happy light to the Seahawks in general.
2: He totally does. Um, yeah. We talked about it. If you, you're listening to bonus episode, then you probably, you might've, already listened to our other episode but that's what we talked about was the authenticity as sammy said and that's what we love Marshawn lynch and if you like i don't know if Marshawn lynch is going to be like you know in any advisory role or just an owner or just a brand ambassador or what kind of role he could bring but anytime you can bring a former legend back on into the organization and in a role where you know he could help whether it's having fun bringing in free agents and being an ambassador for the Seahawks, whatever it might be, you got, you should go and do it. Get, let them be part of a team, buy a small stake in ownership and beast mode is kind of forever entrenched in Seattle sports and Seattle history. So this would just kind of more solidify that.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I I would just love to see it. That's my guy to be honest. So it'd be pretty awesome. Um, and it, it probably will happen in some way, shape or form. Cause when players say this, they're probably already like discussing it in some way. He does. It's probably not just saying that, totally. but the big stuff that we talked about in the last pot in our main podcast was, you know, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson. What's, you know, what's happening in the organization, what's going to happen with the team. And a big thing that Marshawn Lynch said in that clip was, you know, about, he believes that Pete Carroll and them guys, as he said, <laughs> Pete Carroll and them guys have a plan. Um, he believes the organization always has a plan and always has a way to make things work. Um, and seems like he's very team Pete. And it doesn't mean he's not team like Russ or anybody else. He's just very on the side of, Hey, let's let's believe in what these guys are doing because they know what they're doing. So how does that make you feel? Cause for me uh, it is nice to hear because you could hear former players. You could hear things like urban Meyer, right? I know Pete Carroll is not, doesn't have that reputation like kicking players or whatever but he hasn't
2: kicked a kicker yet
0: yeah not yet but he might kick jason meyer soon because <laughs> if he doesn't start making some some field goals but there there's a like i don't know there is something nice to hearing former players take of a coaching know like that means something right because there are people that don't take the side of coaching staffs like yeah they actually sucked playing for that coach or like yeah he actually is a bad guy you know or like oh yeah, he actually is Treats people the wrong way. So clearly, Marshawn believes in this organization and what P Carroll has, you know, has done and can do. For me, it brings some comfort. Um, not that like what Marshawn says is the you know, do or die, but it's good to see a former player be like, come on, guys, like it'll be okay, just like have some patience, it's one down year. I don't know how it makes you feel, but for me, it gives a little bit of extra confidence for me. Just like, you know, if he does come back, at least there is previous players and probably current
2: players support. Well, part of it makes me think one that Pete Carroll, you know, is a good players coach, like players tend to like him. And Here, you kind of, you kind yeah, you, yeah, you kind of knew that. I mean, especially coming from college, where he's one of the best recruiters in history of college football um, with the USC team. So obviously guys like him, but my only like hesitation on that is Marshawn's not in that locker room. Um, certain guys react certain ways, certain organ people tend to get galvanize in different different directions in different ways. So I just wonder in general, like, is this group of guys as I'm not saying they're not, right? We still have Bobby Wagner there. Um, we don't have the same exact guys in that locker room. Russell Wilson's still there. I just wonder, is the leadership of the players inside the locker room still Galvanized around the head coach as much as his generation of Seahawks was galvanized around the head coach. I have no idea, right? Uh, none of us really do. So that that would be my only hesitation there. But obviously, like Pete Carroll and John Schneider and the whole organization, definitely. I mean, they're the best. They're the best uh, regime in Seattle sports history. So, yeah, I, I understand why he has he supports them, especially he was part of you know the team that won a super bowl and went to a second super bowl
0: yeah although there probably are some players that have some negative things i mean like I feel like richard sherman i don't know why but i feel like he doesn't like Picaro cuz of like, the decision well all... he, he richard he sherman always... doesn't like anyone
2: yeah he, I mean, there's guys like literally like you could you know give them a bag of gold and, and they'll think it's cool they have some way to complain yeah exactly even though i i made that what do you think of that analogy i just made up
0: very very average good uh, bag of I, you could have bag of gold and make it into ash you could have said whatever i know
2: i was trying one out there i, I think i think it'll stick i'm like aristotle all right well
0: you're not but uh, no no hate but you're not aristotle i'm so sorry george
2: very similar that, one,
0: that no that one wasn't it if you said something magnificent i would have maybe given you the label but that was not 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 a you know nothing mind blowing there but I think that at the end of the day, um, what Marshawn has to say is kind of right, which is Pete Carroll probably does know what he's doing. The organization probably does know what they're doing to turn this around. Um, And that's kind of my biggest thing is who am I to say that it's time to move off Pete Carroll when in reality, we know that they know what they're doing, right? And I, I guess some people would claim that I don't know how you feel about this. Some people claim that, you know, it's time is past this coach or different things, you know, like a chip Kelly, maybe mm-hmm. things have changed in the way football's played, that it's kind of football's past him. Right. Right. But can you say that about a guy like Pete Carroll who was just in the playoffs last year? I don't think you can, right. It's not like a chip Kelly situation where the dude has had four jobs since because he can't keep up with the times.
2: No, I mean, you can say it. Uh, <laughs> I actually do think you can. I, I don't think it's necessarily true, maybe in this case. But there are cases where people, despite having some success, they were built on a house of cards, right? Like really fragile and We've only the last few years trajectory has gone towards a downward slope rather than an upward slope. And so there is a point where it comes crashing down. And I'm not saying that this is the point where it's come crashing down. Sometimes there are signs where it's like, well, you know, USC is a perfect example. He went from national championships to come recruiting violations to a sub 500 season to quitting. Like, and it, it came really fast for Pete Carroll, not saying the same things happening here, but sometimes, like, things snowball. There's a snowball effect, and uh, it's time, regardless of past success. I'm not saying that's what is happening here once again, but I'm not always on a your past success dictates your future success type of guy. Yeah.
0: See, the only reason I don't know is like what you just said sounds good in theory. But then, like, oh, yeah, okay, things didn't go great at the end at USC. And then what happened? Oh, he went to the NFL and won the Super Bowl. So it's like, okay, well, same thing. What happened if Bill Belichick got fired from his first job? Like, that doesn't mean his he was bad, right? Like, some people have some failures, but it doesn't course. mean their time has come or, like, it's been past their era. So that's where I, I kind of agree with what Marshawn Lynch was saying in this whole thing, which was, at the end of the day, They have a plan. They know what they're doing, and I'm going to believe that until I'm kind of proven otherwise. One season of missing the playoffs, and Mm -hmm. you know, is not going to tell me right now that I'm right that he's or
2: like somebody Mm -hmm. else is right.
0: right, I'm going to give you
2: sure. But I'm going to give you an example here: Uh, two, two company, three companies: Sears, Walmart, Kmart. Um, a lot of people could have probably would have said the same thing about those companies, right? Sears can't fail; it's, it's done so good so many years in a row. They know what they're doing; they have a plan. Same thing with Kmart; they could have said the same thing, and Walmart. Only one of those three companies still really have a presence today. That, that's what I mean. Like sometimes your future success, your plans. It, sometimes they don't always work out, and, and I'm not saying that's the point. The whole thing with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll might still have five years of good coaching left in him, ten years. But there are certain cases just that your past success and your they have a plan doesn't always come into fruition. That's all I'm saying. Sears still
0: did three point two six billion in sales last year, George. I wouldn't consider that bad. Just an FYI.
2: Do you want to be Sears or do you want to be Walmart, Amazon?
0: That doesn't matter. I'm talking
2: about and for the NFL. No, no, I'm just talking NFL wise. Like I'd rather be the Amazon. Sears we, is like
0: never we've never been the Amazon. You could not not there's no. You win the Super can Bowl, be the we were the Amazon
2: for a year. No, we weren't. It was still
0: Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, unfortunately. Like winning one Super Bowl doesn't outdo six.
2: Um we weren't. Like that's just the reality. Like, we, we were the Microsoft then. We were like Microsoft. We'll See, we
0: can still be Microsoft's had some bad years, George. There's been right. times where Apple overtook Microsoft for two, three years and made it look crappy. And then, you know, actually they're perfectly fine with a little bit of reinvention. Um, And that's where uh, at the end of the day, your business analogy is very nice and a good lesson for those that are interested in finance and business uh, on this podcast, but it's very unrelated. Or stock tips. But it's very unrelated to Seahawks football and NFL coaching because there is not a single comparison in business where, You're like, Amazon can be number one for 15 years. There's not a single team that's ever won 15 straight Super Bowls. There's never been one that's won more than what? Three? Oh, right, right. Um, No, no, of course. Of course. This is what I'm saying is there are people like, for example, Sears. When Sears finally shuts down one day, George, they will never reopen. If the Mariners are bad for twenty years, the Seahawks are bad for twenty years. They eventually can be good again. There's not a reopening, so it's a little different than business in that sense. That All right, can literal have a dip. Sammy. <laughs> no, no, a, I, a, no. it's a comparison. No, it was a bad comparison. It's a bad comparison. If you gave me like a like an analogy of a company that dipped and then went back up and or like has fluctuated, you can't tell me that it's you know like a company closing down because at the end of the day, you can have a bad season in football. Um, and then be the best team in the NFL. Like, the Seahawks could win the Super Bowl
2: next year. I mean, so the, the only thing, basically, what you're telling me is the only way to compare football teams is by other football teams. I, It's an analogy. Like, obviously, no analogy is going to be perfect. I'm just comparing, and we're comparing apples to oranges. They're completely different. You could different have compared things. them
0: to cars, something that has tweaks, but then you can fix and reinvent and make it faster. You know, like, let's think, let's think. Let's think a little deeper next time, George. All
2: right. I'll I'll think a little bit deeper. At least I came up with an analogy. I would I'd this, love is, to no, see this is not uh the, the <laughs> goal, the goal of this podcast. I don't think anybody did it. Has anybody ever DM'd us asking,
0: can George uh, shoot us some more analogies?
2: Well, they might they're probably going to start shooting them now. I'll tell you that much. They're probably gonna the say let's say evaluate some some of, some of these analogies because
0: uh I don't think comparing uh, the Seahawks to Kmart is very The accurate.
2: point w- the point was like sometimes. We, all, we understand the point. That was it. We understand okay, the point. You're going to defend analogy. your points. I'm not every defending left and right, it. But
0: I'm just saying that the Seahawks, to this day, they had a bump in the road. Like That doesn't mean that they're this like disaster or this like they're company not. going bankrupt. I think the Seahawks, they literally, and this is not even like uh, hypothetical, they literally could. I'm not saying they're going to, but they could win the Super Bowl next year. Yeah, like, they totally could. They could trade... And I hope they do. Yeah, they could trade somebody for an offensive lineman. And also in the offensive line is good. And we have a good running back, good receivers. Russell Wilson's good. Jamal Adams back, Quandre Diggs, Bobby Wagner. And we sign a good defensive lineman, also or a good corner. And like, it's like, oh, we're weird. They're like Super Bowl contenders. Like you never know. That's where for me at the end of the day, at the end of the day, whatever happens, I think the Seahawks will be fine. And the reason behind all that is it's going to. I mean at the end of the day, I'd be really shocked. And I think you'll agree with this. I'll be really shocked if everybody was gone. I mean like Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Russell Wilson all at the same time.
2: I'd be very surprised if they're all gone. I, I my prediction is that Pete Carroll's gone and Russell Wilson is here. That that's my prediction. Basically. Yeah, and basically picks a coach. And I and I personally I'll be okay with that. It's not my favorite scenario. Um but I think that's that's what's going to happen, and I don't think it's necessarily what should happen.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I guess, and it depends on Russell Wilson. Like I said in our main podcast, if Russell Wilson wants out, then we're just talking a whole different story.
2: Totally. And last but not least I want to do say, um, despite all my thoughts and things like that, if I was Jody Allen in the Seattle Seahawks, I would run it back and I was, you know, head of making decisions, I'd probably run it back one more year and just see what a healthy season does with a ton yeah. of cap space and just give it a shot. Because I don't think uh necessarily we are a uh, booster, like a shot away from winning a Super Bowl. I, I really don't. I think the only way we could really compete for a Super Bowl is with the, with the components we have in place now so we might as well run it back one more time if it doesn't work blow it up
0: yeah i guess the big thing i I would say is it's also easier to run it back than it is to blow up um you know hypothetically sometimes it's good for organizations to blow it up but it's that that could all to years to um, if you don't do the right things in terms of drafting a quarterback, the right coaches, the right people in place, you can talk about a long tenureship of negative yeah. things happening for your franchise, right? While running it back, most likely you have a 50, 50 shot basically, right? It's like either Russell Wilson, and Pete Carroll going to work it out this year. And we're going to be all right. Or we should have another bad season. Then we can blow it up. Um, but it is much easier. And that's why I think it's going to happen. It's much, much easier to run it back. Yeah, and I'd rather –
2: and seriously, to blow it up now and give a new GM and new head coach this shit show, no, fuck that, to be honest with you. Like we don't even have a first-round draft pick. We were giving it to the New York Jets. Like imagine trying to go hire a high-end GM at this point and a high-end head coach and be like, hey, take this mess, clean it up. No, just run it back. Let's see what we can do.
0: Yeah, and then we can work on it later. Like, yeah, it doesn't that's that never works. And even I'm, cool. the,
2: even I'm the guy who, who keeps pointing out that, like, even on Twitter and stuff, like, it's kind of my thing is like, hey, there's some really ho- big holes here, but I just don't think you can patch it up and bring it in UGM and he, ready to go. I think it takes a lot more than that. So I'd run it back one more year.
0: Yeah. and We all know there's some holes, George. Yeah. I wouldn't call that a thing. <laughs> is that your thing? To say that no, the Seahawks have some glaring holes that find no,
2: no. But my point is more like I'm. I, I think I'm majorly concerned about the future of this organization, and the future of Russell Wilson, and the future of Pete Carroll of ever winning a Super Bowl again. But I'm also my thing is I'm ready to see a new regime, but I'm also not necessarily thinking it's the right time because whoever inherits it's going to inherit a huge mess that's really hard to fix. Yeah, I don't
0: know. Maybe I just don't think it's
2: a huge mess, but that's just me.
0: And Pete Carroll. But Pete Carroll's trying to save his job, so who knows? <laughs> yeah. I will I will end us with this, is that Adrian Peterson's season is over. He's on the IR, so that was a nice one-game experience.
2: Yeah, and, I, uh, I hope you. if you bought an Adrian Peterson jersey, hold on to that. You might be the only one to have one. Yeah, no, actually, that would be
0: a cool jersey to have. Yeah, nah, That's what I'm normal saying. Normal. No, I'm not joking. Yeah. I mean, you can custom make them, so. True. Anybody can have one technically. And uh, Pete Carroll said, George, I'll end us with this because it has to do with this whole thing. He did say the talent is there. Not Not for one reason at all am I thinking that we have to restart this whole thing and create a new philosophy, new approach. I think we have the essence of what we need. And I think this is what, you know, I think you said it a minute ago, which is like, yeah, things haven't been great, but at the same time, like, you know, if we do have any chance, before blowing it up we do have some of the pieces here right quarterback receivers some good defensive players so i know that you know i know that he has to say that but at the same time i think he is right in the sense of there is some talent there which is why george it was kind of a shock to us that we're five and ten right because there is some talent there that we thought we should be better and i hope uh i hope nothing but the best and i hope that I just don't want to lose to the Lions. And then that also would give the Jets an even better draft chance. Like, Just beat the Lions. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah,
2: if we lose to the Lions, that would be very, very uh, – I'm already concerned, but I'd even be more concerned. If they lose to the Lions, you might actually hear me come on this
0: podcast this week
2: and just say, you know what? Blow it up.
0: Fuck them. <laughs> <Blow it> <laughs> up. <laughs> if we lose to the Bears, Lions, back-to-back, maybe I actually will for once come on the podcast and say blow it up.
2: Because yeah. that would be a very bad back-to-back experience. God, that'd be horrible. But hopefully not, man. Let's just let's just keep keep our uh, fingers crossed there.
0: Fingers crossed, my man.
2: Well, I appreciate everybody
0: listening to the Sports on Tap Seattle podcast with your boys and uh, George. What do we like oh, to man. say
2: here? Hey, man, we just like to say simply and e- e- eloquently. Cheers to sports, y'all. <laughs>
0: That was very eloquent. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Peace. Cheers to Seattle.